Welcome back, Deadbeat Daddies. The long wait is now over. I am officially back with my latest episode on sibling alienation. Sibling relationships can be one of the long-lasting relationships in a person's life. However, just like any other relationship, it can also experience problems. And so sibling alienation is one of those issues that can have a significant impact on individuals and families. And so in this discussion, I actually took the time to reach out to a licensed family therapist with over 15 years of experience. Her name is Dr. Sarah Johnson, and she has worked with families who are dealing with this issue consistently and although there were many scheduling conflicts I have to thank her so much for still providing the answers to my questions that I would love to be able to share with you all. I started out asking her to define what sibling alienation is and what causes it and she led with sibling alienation is a situation where siblings have become emotionally or physically estranged from one another. This can occur for a variety of reasons such as personality conflicts, disagreements over money, differences in values and beliefs, and oftentimes it's a triggering event that starts the process of alienation among parents, such as a fight or a perceived betrayal. But in some cases, it can develop slowly over time as siblings grow apart and become less involved in each other's lives. Next, I asked her how common sibling alienation is and what are the, what are some of the common signs that it might be happening. Sibling alienation is more common than people think. It often goes unnoticed because people assume that siblings will naturally stay close over the course of their lives. However, research suggests that up to 40% of siblings experience some form of estrangement in their lives. Some common signs that sibling alienation might be happening include avoiding each other, not communicating, failing to acknowledge each other's accomplishments, being dismissive or rude to one another, or openly criticizing or belittling each other. Next, I asked her, what are some long-term effects of sibling alienation? To which she responded, sibling alienation can have a significant impact on individuals and families. It can lead to feelings of sadness, anger, and loss for those involved. And it can also lead to broader family dynamics being affected. Family events such as holidays or celebrations can become tense and uncomfortable, and some people may even choose to avoid these events altogether. It can also have an impact on a person's sense of identity and belonging, and they may struggle to build and maintain relationships in other areas of their life. And so next I went into what can people do if they suspect that sibling alienation is happening in their family. Dr. Johnson responded, the first step is to acknowledge that there is a problem and to be open to having a conversation about it. It can be helpful to involve a therapist or a mediator who can help facilitate the discussion and provide support for those involved. It's also important to be patient and recognize that repairing relationships takes time and effort. In some cases, it may not be possible to fully repair the relationship, but it is possible to find ways to communicate and interact in a way that is respectful and healthy. And so I want to thank Dr. Johnson for sharing her insights on this important topic. And next, I'm going to go into why I chose this as episode eight. Sibling alienation is a major issue that's occurring in my family right now. Although my two children, my stepson and my son, are communicating with each other two times a week through court-ordered phone calls 
that the dad had to fight for tooth and nail that's not enough my son has been feeling a void for the past two years because he went from having his brother actively in his life to being completely estranged they don't see each other they rarely have the opportunity to talk and if they do dad has to be a part of the conversation as well because that's his time as well and so for the children it's unfair because it takes a toll on their relationship and as i was doing research about this topic i came across six different points that i really wanted to share with you guys one of which is according to a study published in the journal of family issues up to 27 percent of adult siblings reported being estranged from one another that's a large number if you think about it it may not be 50 percent or 60 percent what people consider to be high but we're almost reaching the 30 percentile here and that's only people that have reported imagine those that have not been a part of any studies or had a chance to act speak out on being estranged from a sibling. Another study that was done in the UK found that 8% of adults had completely lost touch with at least one of their siblings. That is so sad. That breaks my heart because I have a sibling. I have a brother who's younger than me. Despite having our ups and downs and us having fought as siblings, I could not understand being estranged from him for life. That relationship is such an important relationship in your life. It is far greater than a parent that being estranged from that person is so detrimental to your well-being and sibling alienation has long-lasting effects on mental health because again the journal of family psychology found that adults who experienced sibling estrangement reported higher levels of depression and anxiety compared to those who had close relationships with their siblings that scares me because what i'm dealing with right now puts my children both of them in the realm of these statistics and i don't want either of them to ever become a statistic. Sibling alienation being caused by a variety of factors can cause unresolved issues because it includes family conflict, financial disputes, differences in values and beliefs, and your children hear these things or over time they learn these things. When they start to figure it out, it impacts them at a greater rate. In some cases, sibling alienation can be reversed. And for those of you that have that ability to either reverse it or repair it through therapy, mediation, other forms of communication or conflict resolution, do it. I say, please, please, please do it for those children. Because in many cases, estrangement becomes permanent and you don't want that. You don't want that for your children. You don't want them ending up a part of a statistic or a study and they're dealing with life altering issues. Which brings me into my next point. The family court system is under the false impression that every parent should be given endless chances to do right by their children, especially the mother, and that any parent is better than no parent. Both of these are wrong and can lead to intense psychological damage to the child because you need two active parents that are working towards co-parenting and making sure that psychological damage is not happening to the child. And so as parents, you need to be able to set aside those differences so that you don't lead to intense psychological damage to your child. Having one judge hearing a case and solely determining the fate of a child lacks the balance of an independent jury listening to, examining evidence, 
evidence and then rendering a consensus fair and just of that verdict. Another issue we see in family court are lawyers. They're taught in law school to first get an accurate knowledge of their client's financial assets and affairs. This enables them to meander through the legal system until they can bill out what they figure their cut of their client's income is. That's not beneficial to the child in any way, shape, or form. Be careful with the types of attorneys that you hire. I know of a situation where in a child custody case for over 10 years, the father had an annual legal fee of $20,000. The mother, with the aid of different public defenders provided at the taxpayer's expense, she just keeps filing false claims without penalty. So again, there is injustice happening in the family law system against fathers. There was a case where a mother transported the child without a license for months on several occasions. She can't keep a job. She's moved 10 times in 10 years and is habitually late in dropping off and picking up the child and continually berates and runs down the father in their own daughter's hearing and argues that she's the stable parent. And now in this case, she was awarded full custody. So again, the injustice against fathers. And I can share with you guys a similar situation that exists in my own town, here in Connecticut, actually. There was a tenant, a welfare tenant, who was recently given five months free rent by the judge on a simple 30-day eviction because she lied and said that they had a lease which she couldn't produce. Her children lived in that home. The father was actively fighting for the children. And the judge punished the dad, saying that he should have helped the mother with her lease and awarded mom full custody. I don't understand. It. I don't get where they come off making these types of judgments and handing them down. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And so for justice to be served, those judges that don't follow the law need to be punished as an accomplice with equal fines and jail time. And a jury needs to be present to give the victims a chance for justice. False charges should result in the entire legal cost of the victim to be paid by the one who's filing those false charges with their additional fines or public service hours and even prison time. However, that does not happen. When our high-conflict baby mama filed a false malicious order of protection against my now husband, she didn't get anything but a slap on the wrist. She went as far as saying that he murdered her unborn child by causing her a miscarriage when we hadn't spoken to her in a year because she was withholding the child. How could he have done that? It was all to be able to get that false piece of paper stamped by a judge, portray that she was a victim, and play a game at his expense. But she didn't owe our court fees. She didn't owe our attorney fees when any of it happened. However, this turn of events, this time around when we had to go back to court, which we filed and we went back to court to fight for our son when he was being abused, the judge again ruled in her favor and made dad pay court fees. So there is complete injustice and these judges are not being held accountable. These stories, unfortunately, are the norm in what is called justice in America and family court today. I have so much information of similar cases, but the innocent people involved do not want to come forward and have their stories heard on the podcast because they know they will be penalized by those dictating judges. And so indeed, it is a really sad situation for those individuals, for their children, and the legal overcharged innocent victims of the families that are involved. Which is why I say we need to join the convention of states. We need 
need to hold these judges accountable as accomplices with fines. They need to do prison time, the same as they're handing down, especially because their judgments are in violation of the Constitution or established in previously enforced laws and guidelines. Who are they to get away with this? It's sickening. And so we have to keep in mind that they're only employees, similar to anyone else. We outnumber them and are much smarter too. So we can't be afraid when we see or experience something wrong. We need to speak up and tell everyone we know on how to fix this problem because there are too many innocent victims that pay the price for the stupidity of a legal system that can't govern family law. This is why we see sibling alienation become such a challenging process. It's essential to repair the damage and heal the emotional distress it causes, but with a family law system that's against you, there's really almost no way to do so. Although there are tips to help address it, which I will go over, the root of the issue is the legal system, the family court system. But let's get into those tips for those of you that are dealing with sibling alienation or estrangement. Like Dr. Sarah Johnson mentioned, we need to acknowledge the problem. And the first step is addressing that it's taking place in my household with the podcast. I've been able to really voice what's happening and I'm able to actively bring up the point of sibling alienation between both households. Despite high conflict baby mama not liking it, she has to understand that alienation is taking place. Next, seek the professional help because it is beneficial in addressing sibling alienation. I know for us, it's been really tough because my stepson won't be placed in therapy because of how she feels. But at least on our side, I know that when my son gets older, if this continues to be an issue, I absolutely will be intervening and having him go to therapy for it. Next, encourage communication among the siblings. No matter how much you have to be the one to help rebuild the relationship, it's essential to create that safe space for them where they can express their emotions and share their experiences. And lastly, be patient. It's not an easy process. It requires a lot of patience and it may take time to rebuild those relationships. But with patience and perseverance, it is possible. Now, sibling relationships can be extremely challenging, but like I've mentioned a bunch of times, they're extremely essential. And while sibling alienation has a severe impact on individuals and families, it's possible to address and heal from this. So let's talk a little bit more about my story and what's happening. I found out recently that my podcast was leaked to our high conflict baby mama, which I was prepared for the day that I started it. I knew that there would come a time where she would find out and think that it's a personal attack. It's really not. A lot of the topics that I've spoke on have been broad and I've just been able to share my personal experiences as a stepmom. In no way am I sitting here trying to bash her because that is not my intention or my goal with the podcast. The goal of this podcast is to at least be able to touch one father and one stepmother and be able to help them create a healthy family dynamic for their children, which I have to say, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and tell me that my podcast has helped their family. And I'm really appreciative of those folks that have messaged me to let me know of how we've been able to impact their lives from a better standpoint. But sibling alienation is still happening in my home specifically. I mean, I've got a two-year-old who moved to Connecticut with me, that's my son, and his four-year-old brother had to stay behind, as you guys are aware, and he hasn't seen his brother in two years, minus that short visit we had in Chicago when we had to go and save him. But since then, we have not had the ability to see him 
spend time with him, talk to him. And I have to say, it's extremely frustrating. It's extremely hard because these children are tiny little humans and it's imperative that we stick up for them. It's imperative that we look out for them. Sibling alienation, before it turns into sibling rivalry, needs to be attacked at the root. because it can create long-lasting hostility. The alienated sibling usually feels unfairly treated because what they feel is in fact erroneous. I think about how this will impact my stepson all the time. How will he navigate those hardships in life? And I can only hope that over time he sees through the bullshit, but that is easier said than done. High conflict baby mama is our alienator in this scenario. Alienators look for their own gain with little to no concern for others in the family, which is classic narcissism. And she she might as well win an award for narcissistic behavior. Her gain has been keeping the child away, feeding him lies, and consistently telling us she won because she was able to get child support. In fact, her most recent words to my husband were, she's so mad I won and she lost. That statement, short and simple, explains everything wrong with this woman. She thinks she won something worthy of bragging rights. This made my husband and I laugh harder than she can imagine. She is so happy to have won money in court so that she can provide for her and her boyfriend. That is disgraceful. I would rather be the one paying the charity than receiving it. So sure, she won. Congratulations to her. But in reality, she lost because she has to sleep at night knowing that we are the reasons her family has a roof over their head, food on their tables, clothes on their backs, and more. Without us, they would most likely be homeless if they were completely on their own with no parents to assist them. So yeah, I hope she feels great about her win because her win also includes her hurting two children, which is disgusting itself. She has put a label on her son as the target child. This label, which is used widely, denotes the child within a family system who has been singled out for the attention of the alienating parent. Thus, we see the common dynamic in such situations where one child is severely alienated while the others may not be. For example, her new son. A psychologist, Jennifer Harmon, and colleagues established a landmark academic article that parental alienation is a serious form of domestic abuse and I couldn't agree more. Poisoning children against the other parent creates long-lasting and potentially devastating mental health consequences for children. Thinking of all this, she's got quite that win under her belt. <laughs> and so with that, episode eight comes to an end. I hope you all really enjoyed this episode. And as always, I thank you for your time and I hope to catch you guys back here next Friday. Have a great night.